Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What is going on, everybody? I am your host, John Hutspeth, and as always, welcome to the show. If I sound a little happier than normal, it's because I'm looking out my window right now, and it's like 70-something degrees. It's like fishing weather right now. Like I want to go cast a line, try to catch some fish. Um, huge, crazy contrast to like two weeks ago when every pipe in my house was frozen. We couldn't even flush the toilet, or we could, but we had to like get a bucket of water and pour it into the back to flush the toilet. My goodness, what a, what a crazy time to be alive. What a weird, weird uh, turn of events. But anyway, I hope you're getting outside and enjoying all this nice weather. I am not. Uh, my wife and I are getting ready to go out of town again. We're going on a, a trip with my entire family, all like 24 of us, something like that. Uh, we're headed out to Red River, New Mexico, do a little bit of skiing and hanging out, um, say a prayer for us because we got, I believe, like I said, I think there's 24 of us now all staying in one Airbnb, um, 10 adults, 13 or 14 kids. I lose track now. Uh, my siblings have so many kids. Um, but yeah, going to be a good time. But anyway, right now we're talking about the podcast and we have a really good one. Um, man, I feel like I'm starting to abuse my buddy, uh, Charles Admire. This is, uh, probably the third time he's been on in the last six months, something like that. Um, but he just got done with a really, really cool trip. And it's a topic that I have wanted to cover. Just never really knew anybody to, to talk about it. Um, but Charles just got back from a sand hill crane hunt out in West Texas and, uh, man, I was so jealous. I actually, I got a last minute invite. I guess they had a cancellation and Charles reached out to me, but of course it was the weekend that my wife and I were headed to Idaho. He called me like the day before we left. And so I wasn't able to make it out there, but definitely a bucket list item for me. And, uh, I think after this episode, it's probably going to be on your bucket list also, if it's not already. So that's what we got going today. Um, little bit shorter episode this week. Charles had kind of a hard stop that he had to hit. And so just a little bit shorter interview that we normally do, but I think we did a pretty good job of, of covering the topic still. Um, he, so they went to do a crane hunt, but they were also hunting geese and so it kind of worked out to where the first day they really hammered the cranes. Second day they really hammered the geese, which kind of worked out because it gave him a chance to get it like a comparison between the two. So he talks about some of the differences in hunting the two, uh, decoys, shot size, hide, uh, their vision, how they react to the decoys. And so 
I think it turned out to be a really, really sweet episode. So that's what we got going this week. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be out of town this coming weekend. Um, as far as I know, the wife and I don't have anything the following weekend, and I am trying really, really hard to make it out to the ranch. I'm I'm honestly not sure the last time I made it out there. Um, I was supposed to go, or at least I was trying to go like two different weekends over the past month, and every time just something came up or it didn't work out. Um, but man, I, I really, I need to get my protein feeders filled, need to do some post-season scouting, I need to trap some raccoons, I need to kill some coyotes. Got a lot to do, uh, just finding the time to get up there and do it has been a challenge. So anyway, I'm going to quit complaining. That's what's going on this week. Like I said, welcome my good buddy Charles. Thank you guys for listening, and we will get into the interview right now. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we're back with our good friend and multiple time repeating guest, Charles Admire. How you doing, Charles? Doing great. Doing great. How are you, John? Oh, not too <laughs> bad. Uh, man, it's only been like a month or so since we had you on, I think. Maybe a few, a little bit longer than that, but uh, you just got back from a really, really cool hunt, and one that I've been wanting to do for a while. You went crane hunting, sandhill crane hunting, and so I thought it'd be cool to have you on because that's something that I feel like has become a little bit, little bit more well known in the last couple of years, but definitely something that I would say the average hunter hasn't done. And so I just thought it'd be cool to kind of have you on for a quick little powwow and talk about the hunt. So um, real quick before we get into that, I always go to a little too far. Just in case somebody missed one of the many episodes you've been on, uh, why don't you do just a real quick introduction? Yeah, man. So uh, I guess we've known each other since we were little. Um, have always been good buddies, uh, I guess. Yeah, I did some time in the Marine Corps. Now I'm I'm not doing time in the Marine Corps and passionate about hunting and fishing. Kind of the the oh, the one that I'm probably most passionate about is <clears throat> deer, but um, the one that's coming up strong. It seems like coming up stronger every year is waterfowl. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's fun to to talk about cranes today, and and I guess maybe a little bit of geese too. Yeah, so. yeah, it was a combo hunt, and uh, sadly enough, you actually uh, threw me a last minute invite, but of course, it just so happened to be the the weekend that my wife and I did our little anniversary trip, so I wasn't able to make it. Uh, but I was very jealous. I was very jealous that I didn't get to go. And then when I saw the success that y'all had, I was even more jealous. So. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, like you said, you did crane one day and goose one day, I believe. And uh, we're going to kind of focus on the crane, but I want to, because most people probably aren't familiar with crane, I thought it'd be kind of cool to also talk about the geese and kind of compare the two, because I think a lot more people know a little bit more about uh, goose hunting. So so yeah, I'm going to be quiet for a minute now, but just kind of give us a quick little rundown, you know, who you went with, kind of where you were at, and uh, just kind of the 10,000 foot view. You bet. Yeah. So <clears throat> a buddy at church had asked me over the summer, he, he puts together a pretty good size hunt uh, every year uh, to go crane hunting and ask if I wanted to go. And I, I jumped on the opportunity. Uh, so it was a, it was a two day hunt. We, we stayed in Lubbock and then hunted uh, north of Lubbock and then southwest of Lubbock. Uh, <clears throat> first day we were on cut Milo. And when I say cut, I mean, it was harvested. Um, that being said, there was enough still there to 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 draw those birds in. And then the second day we were on uh, wheat. So it was actually designed both days to do some crane hunting. And it was, <clears throat> it was that weekend we got down 
oh, in Lubbock, I think the low on Sunday morning was like six or seven, something like that, when we were yeah. out there right before dawn. Yeah, it was like right before then, the Arctic blast, right? Like that weekend oh, right yeah. before it hit. Yeah, so the the other morning was um, maybe, oh, I guess 20s, somewhere in the low 20s, you know, before. So Saturday morning, 20s, Sunday morning, you know, six or seven when we were out there. The uh, Yeah, the first day was designed both days to, to go crane, and we were on the X the first day. And then the second day, we didn't, we were not even close to the X. We saw them all flying to, to another spot. And so called the audible and went and sat over a, uh, oh, kind of a shallow loafing tank. And when I say shallow, it was probably only six or eight inches deep at the deepest. <laughs> and that's where we got into some lesser uh, Canadian geese. And so, um, yeah, so that was kind of high level what we did. But uh but yeah, what uh, what further yeah. questions you got? So, <laughs> so uh, one, let's kind of let's talk about some of the regulations first. You know, like bag mm -hmm. limit, um, and just kind of like how it compares to your regular waterfowl. And then also, like, I'm really curious in just the setup. Like, it was it was it basically just goose hunting, but with crane decoys, or did they set it up differently? And like, how would they hide all you guys? Just kind of talk about the setup. Yeah. So, so how they set us up? Well, first off, I guess regulations um, here in Texas, I'm not sure what it is in Oklahoma, but here in Texas, you have to basically inform uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife that you're going to hunt and it's like a free endorsement, but you still need like your waterfowl stamp. You still need migratory bird. You still need, you know, your license or whatever. And then on top of that, you get a crane endorsement. Um, and so it's, it's a free deal, but you just have to, I guess, let the state know that you're doing it. Um, and so that was the one tweak that we had here. Um, as far as, um, how it's set up, we, from the questions that I ask them, evidently they'll, you know, they'll scout these, these fields, like, you know, they would dry land for, geese or ducks or anything else and see where they're coming in but they try to do it i think at about the same time frame that they're going to be hunting the next day now don't hold me to that but from what i understand is those cranes will bounce from field to field you know mm -hmm. and they'll kind of go on a circuit and so which which is kind of nice um for us because we had that initial wave hit like you know right about Sun up, maybe a few minutes before sun up, and then it was just a lot of action for the next probably 30 to 45 minutes, and then it was a little bit of a lull, and then a lot of action for another maybe 20, 30 minutes, and then a little bit of a lull, and then be a little bit more action. We were limited, and the limit is three per day. Um, I think that might be the same in Oklahoma, too. I'm not sure, but I know it is in Texas. Three per day, and then possession limit of nine. But, uh, yeah, we were able to limit out our group of 14. And so wow. 42 birds, yeah, 42 yeah. birds in the span of like, well, by 10 o'clock. And sun up was probably 7.50. We probably shot our first bird at, you know, 7.35, 7.40, something like that. And, you know, 30 minutes before sun up. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that's roughly what it was. Don't hold me to that. Um, but, um, 
anyway, that being said, uh, it's a blast of a good time. You know how uh, how they set up the decoys. So we're we're on the edge, and the West Texas wind never quits blowing. Um, so there was kind of a berm on the edge of this Milo field that we were in, and uh, basically along the fence line, just where you know sand had accumulated over time. Well, we put layout blinds up next to them. Um, so that the wind was blowing basically right over the top of our heads. So they were, the idea is they would be landing in our face. Well, the wind switched a little bit and was blowing from like the left side of our face to the right side of our face. So more or less it changed from a straight North wind to like a Northeast wind, mm. uh, if that makes sense. So they were landing when we were shooting most of them, they were passing shots, mm. which was a lot of fun. And then the decoys again, I don't know if this is like a hard and fast deal, but I don't, I, I think they want a lot of outs, you know, when they're landing, um, from some research I did online before, um, it sounds like your decoys are kind of to stop them. They don't want to fly over decoys a whole bunch. Hmm. And so there wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't in a C or in a J there weren't tails on like the, the shape of the decoy spread. Yeah. Um, think i counted we had roughly three dozen full body decoys they weren't stuffed but they also weren't silhouettes they they had said that oh some companies that made silhouettes had done you know a lot of business out there but then the birds had just gotten real smart mm. and so you get more um birds coming into full bodies mm. um and so we had kind of an alley between us and those three dozen decoys. And they were probably, they were probably, I don't know, 20 to 25 yards out there. And most of our shots, there were a few long ones that were taken that were pretty, pretty cool. But most of our shots were, yeah, in that 20 to 30 ballpark. Uh, some maybe even a little bit closer. So um, were they just trying to land like right on top of them, basically? Or just right around them? Right on the inside. Like some of them, some of them did land right in amongst them. You know, if they were like on the front of a big group, we saw one group that was, <clears throat> I think the biggest one that we probably had come in was somewhere with probably between, you know, 50 and 60 birds. Hmm. Um, but we saw some that had to have had two or 300 in them. Hmm. You know, they just weren't interested or, or they weren't coming at us. You know, we yeah. saw them passing, you know, two or three fields over. But those jokers are loud when they're getting mm -hmm. up in the morning. You could hear them just, and they felt like they were right behind your head, you know. Mm -hmm. But where they were landing, yeah, predominantly to answer your question was right between us and the decoys, although some landed in it. And they were crossing, you know, landing into the wind. Now, I'll tell you, they, they land different than, uh, than ducks or geese, you know, that hold you know, like hold a pumpkin or hold a basketball or whatever, when they're cupped up, mm -hmm. they don't go quite that hard and it's not quite as graceful when they land. Um, <laughs> when you hit one of them, it's, it's definitely a, a train wreck, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, they're just, they're big birds. Yeah. I mean, they're real big birds as far as wingspan and height and everything else. Yeah. Their breasts are about the size of like a, maybe not all the way up to like a honker big, but they're, they're, they're pretty good size for the mature ones. Um, that was one question more, too. What kind of what kind of shells were you shooting at these? Well, <clears throat> that's a good question. 
because that's <laughs> one thing that 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 I took away from it. I had saved some BB heavy hammer because um, they they were all that I was able to find one time when there was an opportunity for some some geese, and so I had like three boxes of that. So that's what I took out. But a buddy of mine that I invited, you know, I gave him some some twos and some BBs that were just regular steel shot. Those heavy hammer, I think like, or heavy metal, excuse me, not heavy hammer, heavy metal, I think 30% of them is bismuth. And that was like a tight choked, uh, you know, choke. Mm-hmm. I have a aftermarket Carlson's. It's like a, they call it the long range, but I think it would be the same thing as like a, a full choke, maybe something like that to really reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, man to that. Put it on them. I, mm. I, I am a believer now in bismuth because I could tell a market difference. Um, birds put down with those those bismuth partial bismuth shells than not. And so, mm. but yeah, three inch BB. Although I think some of the guys were shooting down to like maybe even threes. I I don't think those guys had as much success. But mm. I don't know. That could just be me being a pessimist. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So basically, a goose shell like equivalent to yeah 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 i don't think anyone was using magnums but uh or at least three and a half but you know you could have yeah i guess um but yeah so the other thing is they're they're extremely visual we we were we were in basically layouts that aren't the flap open but we had like a burlap blanket over us you know that several different companies make that has little Oh, piece of burlap that are the color of like the ground or whatever. We just laid under that with our faces covered, looking through the mesh. And then when they were coming in, you know, we would throw those off and shoot. Well, <clears throat> the uh, like like ducks and especially geese, you know, there's a lot of calling. Mm-hmm. Man, there was barely any calling from mm-hmm. from those guys, even with the big groups. Like they'd give them just a little bit to give them enough to turn. But their big deal was they didn't want us, you know, outside of those blankets and they just didn't want us moving. Mm-hmm. You know, those birds were just so visual that there were a few times that <clears throat> we, uh, I think we chalked them not coming into, you know, either movement or showing faces or whatever else. So mm-hmm. it was interesting, very interesting. It was like hunting a, a turkey that's flying or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So about three dozen decoys. Hide very important shooting goose mm-hmm. shells. Um, yeah. did you like? I'm just I'm picturing a crane, so you got long legs, you know, bigger body, long, tall neck, and then the head. Uh, were you trying to be like specific on to on where you shot? Like, were you aiming for body or you aiming for head? Did it matter? Uh, and into like, I, I don't know, were they flying fast or was it kind of a slow, cumbersome, like kind of an easier shot? Um, we, we shot at some of them kind of passing, you know, and so that, you know, I guess you try to lead them as best you can and see what happens. Um, but, uh, but man, I think when they were getting closer, a lot of the success that was happening was headshots. You know, if you lead them a little bit and you focus on that, well, if you drift into the body, you know, at least you're getting pellets, Mm -hmm. you know, someplace that it could help versus aiming at the body and then you know, just either getting tail feathers or nothing. And so I think the guys that were had, you know, shooting for headshots had a lot more success. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, 
Okay. Or success quicker, I should say, maybe, because we all yeah. had success. I mean, we all got our limits, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, everybody knows of uh, Sandhill Cranes being the ribeye of the sky. Have you got to try any yet? Man, we had uh, the, the guide shot one, and he cooked it for us that night, and it is delicious. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I had a little tickle in my throat. Uh, yeah, it was delicious. There was a little bit of, I don't want to say gamey because that sounds bad, but like just a little bit different flavor and just like a touch, you know. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was, I mean, you'd, you'd rival any steak with it. All wow. he barely did uh, was put just a little bit of, of oil in a pan. Um, or I guess it was an outdoor griddle. Either way, same thing. Mm-hmm. And then put a little bit of salt and pepper and garlic on it. And then just seared each side, ate it, you know, medium rare. And it was chef's kiss. It was so good. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, so now I'm I'm saving the the uh, the the breasts that I got. I'm saving those for, um, you know, special occasion. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm dying to try it. I've I've heard nothing but good things. So, um, so day two, like I I guess I didn't I I just assumed just from the pictures you had sent that y'all focused on cranes day one, focused on geese. But it sounds like that wasn't the uh wasn't wasn't what actually happened. But uh, talk about the goose hunt a little bit. Like, what were there any stark differences? Um, it sounds like y'all made like a mid morning move. Uh, just talk about the goose hunt a little bit. Yeah. So the second day we we had set up. Um, like first thing, um, uh, so the, the group that I went with was like 28 people. So we went 14, 14 and 14, were just going to sleep in and then hunt kind of that loafing, you know, little tank for the, the lessers, um, because they were flying later to that, to, to that loaf. But, um, the rest of us that wanted to shoot cranes, we got up real early, you know, got out there, met the guy that like five got out there had everything set up by you know seven or so and we were in a frames the second day since we had a little bit more top cover and stuff and uh yeah pros are uh <laughs> our toes off that morning gosh it was so cold and the wind was blowing like crazy and we saw them like it wasn't the cold that kept them off of us but for whatever reason they just didn't come uh to the same field that they had seen them in the day prior yeah so about nine o'clock our guide looked up and said, uh, hey, y'all want to go shoot some geese? And we said, yep. And so <laughs> we, you know, took everything apart real quick. Everyone thawed out in their vehicles, drove about 20 minutes to meet up with the other group. And we had 28 of us, although people had to start trickling out, leaving, going to different places that they had, you know, come from. Um, but, yeah, we had some um we had broken a little bit of the ice there um and tried to keep breaking it so it looked like there was a spot to land had i i did not even come close to counting those decoys but there was a lot more than three dozen (laughs) a lot of them were on the ice a lot of them were also you know in between the about eight a frames it seemed like although i don't know that no probably about eight a frames that we had you know lined up side by side and uh the calling, there was a ton more calling. The groups were about the same size. Um, yeah, and the limit is two more. So it was 
quite a bit more shooting. And I think that we ended up shooting maybe, oh, by the end of it, <clears throat> maybe 50 or so. A lot of those people had had gone on. So we were able to take a few more um, uh, geese back home than, than we were cranes. Mm. So, gotcha. man, it was it was a heck of a good time. And uh, they are not nearly as visual, although I'm, they're still visual birds, but mm -hmm. not nearly as visual and, and discerning as the cranes. You mm -hmm. know, people would be standing outside of the blind and they'd still have some coming in and everything else. So, yeah, they were just a lot of fun. Got a lot of shooting in. A lot of fun. Yeah, man, it's hard to like when you said not as visual as the geese, that's almost hard to imagine because you know, again, I'm not a huge goose hunter. I'd love to be, but just, you know, watching it on TV or YouTube or whatever, and you got guys with, you know, like you said, dozens and dozens of decoys and most of them are full body. Um, and goose decoys are not cheap. I know, uh, no. so you're, you know, you're talking thousands of dollars of decoys and everything to try to make it realistic. And then you're saying the cranes are even more, you know, crazy than that. That's, yeah, I, I guess the one advantage is you don't have doesn't sound like you have to have as many. Um, but man, that's that's yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, and I think, you know, it probably is a little bit subjective because again, I did I did some research and there are some people saying, Oh, you need to have at least seven to ten dozen. Well, that wasn't my experience with these. And and like I said, we we were able to get, you know, 14 limits, you mm -hmm. know, so I I think it's more about being in the right spot that they already want to be in. And then like those, those decoys just setting them where you want them to land, you know, gotcha. yeah. using them more or less as like a barrier. Cause I also read somewhere that they don't want to fly over them. Now we did have a handful fly over, but definitely, um, how am I trying to say this? It wasn't like the normal occurrence for them to fly right over the spread. Yeah. You know, if they were going to fly over, they were going to land in it more gotcha. than, more than really fly over it yeah hmm. so man that's cool so the uh my buddy's place where i deer hunt in west texas um it's close to a lake and there are thousands and thousands of cranes that roost let's on do it lake. next year <laughs> i know <laughs> well see the thing is we, we've talked about it but we almost feel like we almost feel like we're too close because we're well i mean like i said we're we're right on the lake and so uh -huh. by the time they get up, like, I just, I don't, I don't know. We just don't see them like getting up and then like basically immediately dropping back down. We, we've talked about trying it, but you know, that's a lot of money to invest just to, <laughs> to go out on a whim and try it. Um, oh, I know. But, I, I went on a business trip to a small town the other day and I saw cranes in seemingly every other wheat pasture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just thinking to myself, man, I need to load up on these. But I think it, I think really, you know, people talk about scouting for, waterfowl the day before i think it matters that much more with with cranes you know yeah, you have to have some that. something they're coming into you know yeah yeah but you were talking about the noise and that <laughs> like i know exactly what you're talking about because every morning and every evening <laughs> when we're deer hunting out there it is just i mean almost deafening and uh like you know and, and i will say maybe it is worth trying to hunt because there's times where they're flying low enough you feel like you could throw a rock up and hit some so uh yeah, I don't know. Maybe we do need to give it a try. Yeah, dude. I'm always down. You know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I know you got a hard stop coming up here pretty quick, but uh, if if you got one big takeaway from the trip, uh, what would that be? I mean, one, you can just say, hey, people need to try it. 
but uh you know maybe like one big difference between it and duck hunting or i don't know just any any tip or uh last minute observation you want to throw out there or two one is is a general deal but i'm a believer now in bismuth um there was one of the guys was shooting a 20 gauge um with bismuth shot at like i want to say the shot size he was using was like maybe threes or fours and he was i mean he put birds down with ease and so um anyway he was recommending boss shot shells so i'm gonna have to look those up but evidently they they're like a direct sale type deal so i'm gonna have to look into those for one but number two is if you're any kind of waterfowler it, it's something you just got to do. It's a ton of fun. Take a bunch of friends. It's kind of like um, equate it to in, in some respects to like dove hunting and that you're able to like visit with a person next to you a little bit, you know, and then obviously calm down and quiet down when birds are coming in, but you just got to do it. It's a ton of fun. Open plains outdoors is who we used. Um, they're a great group of guys. And then I'm sure there's plenty of them that are out there that are, that are just awesome, but they're the ones we use. So anyway, if you got, if you got a chance and you're a waterfowl hunter, please go do it. You'll have a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Charles, man, I appreciate you. I know it's a little bit of a, a quicker episode, but I appreciate you coming on talking to us about it. And, uh, I'm sure we'll have you on before too much longer and, uh, good luck this spring. Thank you, yeah, man. Had a ton of fun as usual. See you, John. See you. I told you guys that'd be on your bucket list now. Isn't that awesome? A 14-man Sandhill Crane Limit followed up by a day of, what, he said 50 geese or something like that? Can't even imagine. Uh, a, a real legit goose hunt is also on my list. Like, I've killed a few geese, you know, while duck hunting, but I've never been on, like, a legit you know, like that type of goose hunt. So definitely going to have to see if I can weasel my way into that trip next year. Um, yeah, sounds awesome. So again, huge shout out to Charles for coming on and sharing that experience with us. Um, man, if you guys listening, if y'all have some kind of experience like this, you know, some kind of off the wall or adventurous, crazy type hunt, please reach out to me because I think, uh, I think those are some of my favorite episodes, just talking about stuff that, like I said, maybe just a little bit out there, a little bit uncommon, kind of off the beaten path. So, so yeah, that's pretty much going to do it for this week. Um, thank you guys for listening. We got a lot of great stuff coming up over the next few weeks, so stay tuned. Thank you guys once again for supporting the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. Love you guys, and until next week, I will see y'all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. Yeah.